This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. The Chumash and the Mishnayis and the Gemara have dinim about Melchama. Unfortunately, once in a while you have to have a Melchama. Uh, the Torah tells us that uh, you don't draft men into the army until they're 20 years old. A child becomes by mitzvah, a bas mitzvah at the age of 12 or 13, the bezun shalmata will hold a person responsible for whatever averis he does after the age of uh, 12 or 13. But the bezun shalmaila, the Gemara tells us and Midrashim tell us, only hold one responsible for averis that he does after the age of 20, when the personality is, is more f- it's f- completed. So the same is true regarding uh, Malchama. You only draft people in the army after the age of 20. It's not right to draft before that age. Women, the Gemara says on the first daf in Kiddushin, you don't have to go too far. The Gemara says women are not drafted into the army. You're only supposed to have men. Uh, when we fight against the enemy, we're not permitted to kill innocent civilians. So Taf and Ashim, the women and the children before the age of 20, are considered civilians. So you're not allowed to kill them. Uh, what about Kohanim? That was a big issue. During the First World War, the Kohanim in England uh, contacted the government and they said they're not permitted to be Metamiel and Mason, so they're not allowed to draft them into the, into the army because they're going to be dead bodies all over the place, shooting to kill. There was a real war going on. So the government gave over the Shiloh to the, London, to the chief rabbi, and the chief rabbi gave it over to the London Mason. And they passed on that you do draft Kohanim into the army. There's a proof from the Gemara in Kiddush, and the Gemara talks about the dinam of Yifas Tohar, the, the, the heter that the Jewish soldier has a right to live with a non-Jewish woman, only applies if he's a soldier in the army. So the Gemara discusses a Kohen. A Kohen is drafted in the army, and the Shadow Weddies has a heter to have Yifas Tohar, whole discussion. The Gemara obviously Kohanim are drafted into the army. One of the big Rabbonim in, in uh, Vilna, a hundred years ago was Rabbi Shlomo Levilna. He was this Khan Harabanim. He was the oldest, very big Tamachachim. He was uh, he was the proofreader of the Vilna Shas in the late eighteen hundreds when they were printing the Vilna Shas. So the Rashash put up a lot of money. He was the president of the Kehila in Vilna. He was a wealthy businessman, and he put up a lot of money to have the Talmud Bavli printed. And they have the Horus in the back by Rabbi Shlomo Levilna. He was the proofreader. And a lot of times he'll explain why he put a word in parentheses and he put another word in brackets, why he corrected the uh, Gerson, the Gemara, and so on. So Rabbi Shlomo Levilna has a Sefer Binyan Shlomo where he has essays, Halacha Lamaise. So he, uh, he assumed that Dover Pashut, he, he has a table of contents and he writes, this essay I deleted from my Sefer, but he writes in three lines what the whole essay was all about that uh, in order to be the Baltakeya, you have to be Mukhib in the mitzvah. Let's say the best Baltakeya in the community is a woman or a child before Bar Mitzvah. So the women are not Mukhib, strictly speaking, to blow shoifah. It's a mitzvah, saseisha, as magroma. To children before Bar Mitzvah are only obligated midrabanan to blow shoifah. They're not obligated manatev, so they can't be the Baltakeya. So whenever there's a mitzvah, let's say you want to say Kiddush to be mitzvah, other people you want to lay Parsha Zohar. So whenever there's a mitzvah, to do something, and I do it on behalf of a whole group of people. I have to be mechuyah b'dover. So Shlomo Levilna assumed that Kohanim are not drafted in the army because there's going to be dead bodies all over the place. He came up with a chiddush that just like the Sefer Achinuch says that women are not obligated to hear Parsha Zohar. You're only obligated to hear Parsha Zohar if 
if you can be drafted in the army, we want you to know that there's a dinner mechias hamalak. Want you to know he may call upon you to join the army. So women are not supposed to be joining the army. So they're not mechuyim in parsha zochah. That's what the sefer achinach writes. So Reb Shlomo Levilna writes kohadim are not mechuyim in parsha zochah either. So therefore, if the balkari in the shul is a kohen, he can't lend parsha zochah to be motzi because whoever is not mechuyim but the can be motzi the rabbi dechay So he writes this in the table of contents. He writes. I wrote a tshuva, but my older brother, Shlomo Vilna, was a genius. Apparently the older brother, Abitzal Vilna, was the super genius. He was the, I don't know how he can be bigger than Shlomo Vilna. He, he was the bigger genius in the family. So he says, my brother told me to delete it, the whole thing is wrong. He doesn't tell you what's wrong, but that's what's wrong, because it's a Beferish Yigamar and Kiddushin, that Kohanim are drafted into the army. The Rambam writes a very surprising statement, the whole Shevet Levi is not drafted into the army. Why? Because the Gemara says you're not supposed to drift into the army. The Gemara has a comment that Avraham Avinu did wrong, that he had his Eliezer, was his Eved. Eliezer was a Tamachacham. The Gemara says he wasn't supposed to drift him into the army, and he did, so that was improper. And the Shevet Levi is supposed to be the international coil of Klal Yisrael. That's why we're obligated to give Maiserishan to the Leviim. You don't need all of those Leviim. You don't need uh, one-twelfth of the whole nation functioning in the base of Migdash, but they're supposed to be learning. So they're supposed to be the international coil of Klal Yisrael. So the Ramam says, Shevet Levi was never drafted into the army. Where did he get that from? Because uh, in the end of Chumash Bamidbar, it says that HaKadosh Baruch instructed Moshe Abena to wage war against Midian, and they took a thousand soldiers from every Shevet. Elef lamata, elef lamata, some total shnei mosa, elef chalutzei tzavod. There were 12,000. Why were there 12,000? It should have been 13,000. There were 10, there were 12 shvatim, but Yosef is split into two shvatim, Nasheb Ephraim. So the Ramam says that Shevet Levi was never drafted into the army. So the 12 shvatim are the, of the 12,000 12, soldiers were well, 1,000 from Manasseh, 1,000 from Ephraim, and no soldiers at all from Shevet Levi. Rashi and Chumash writes, not so. It says on the Pasuk, you should take from every single Shevet, so Rashi says, including Shevet Levi. Rashi is quoting a Sifrei on that Pasuk. So that's a, a strange Ramam. The Ramam writes that the whole Shevet Levi was never drafted. Not only was Shevet Levi drafted, even the Kohanim were also drafted into the army. The Pasuk in Chumash tells us that one who just got married can be drafted into the army for a whole year, but that din only applies to, the Gemara has two types of Muhammad, Mechemes Rishus, Mechemes Mitzvah. So that din, all the exemptions, whoever built the house and wasn't Mechanachet, whoever planted a vineyard and didn't, wasn't Mechalalit yet, those exemptions only apply to Mechemes Rishus. Mechemes Mitzvah doesn't apply. In order to wage war, Mechemes Rishus, you have to have authorization from a Beznagot, which we don't have today. So we don't have any Mechemes Rishus. We only have Mechemes Mitzvah. That's why the Israeli army is called Svar Haganah. Haganah means they only allow to fight a defensive battle. They're not, a, not allowed to start up with the enemy in order to expand the area. So that you're not allowed to do. That's a Mechemes Rishus. But a Mechemes Mitzvah, everyone is drafted into the army. <coughs> There are dinim and the chumish that we have to be careful when you have a group of soldiers together that has a status of machna Yisrael, an army base. So the dinim of kedusha samachna. You have to be careful. There shouldn't be erva 
it shouldn't be tzoya, it shouldn't be meiraglayim. And we carry over this dinim to davening and to learning Torah. You're not permitted to learn Torah, you're not permitted to daven. Say brachas, keneged erva, keneged tzoya, keneged meiraglayim. What were the soldiers doing? That, that, that you have to be careful. Uh, it shouldn't be erva tzoya. What, what, what do you need? Kedushas hamakayim. So the Nitziv, who was the Rosh Yeshiva in Valozhin, the Valozhin Yeshiva lasted for 90 years. It was originally founded about 1801, 1802, something like that, and then it was closed by the Russian government uh, 90 years later. So the Nitziv has in his, he, as a teenager, he wrote a commentary on the Shiltis, on Einfall. We don't use the Shiltis so much, but Rashi and Taisus always quote from the Shiltis that he had, and his future brother-in-law, the one who wrote the Orach HaShulchan married the sister of the Nitziv. Her maiden name was Berlin. So the Orach HaShulchan also alludes to the fact that he also wrote a commentary on the Shiltas. And Einfall, two people in the same generation, the same yeshiva, had the same Einfall that they should write a commentary. But the Nitziv printed his. The Orach HaShulchan didn't. So the, uh, so the Nitziv has, uh, he, when they published uh, his commentary on, on the Shiltas, yeah, Bereshit and Shmos is the first volume, Vayikra is the second volume, Hamid Badvarm is the third volume. So he wrote uh, an introduction to his commentary, which is really an introduction to Torah Shabal Peh. It has very little to do with his commentary on the Shiltas. He wrote an introduction to all of Torah Shabal Peh, but he wrote it in installments. He wrote the first third when he printed the first volume, second third when he printed the second volume, and so on. Now they have the whole Hakdama uh, said, now that when they print it, they put all put the whole Hakdama together. People don't understand why is it in three different parts, because it was printed originally in three installments. So he has, he has a lot to say there. So he's talking about learning, an introduction to all of Torah Shabbat Peh. So he quotes sources from the Mishnayis, and Pirkei Ovis, and Gemaris, all over the place, Midrashim, that all wars in the world are the fault of the Jewish people. That's what our enemies claim also. The Jews are responsible for anything that goes wrong in the world. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah Pirkei says there are specific uh, punishments that are meyuchad for specific averis. So Melchamas are because the Jewish people are not learning Torah properly, not learning enough Torah, or because the Rabbanim are paskening wrong, or because the Batidinim are falsifying psokim, ibasadin, kilkoladin, because they're not learning enough, they're not learning properly, or paskening wrong. So the Nitziv has this, uh, he, and he quotes the Gemara in Makis, has a comment on the Pasuk in Shiramalas, there are 15 Shiramalas, and one of them is a famous, Om Yerushalayim. So the simple meaning of the Pasuk is, when the people went to be Eul Regal on Pesach Shua so they were all excited, they're going to be Eul Regal. So the Gemara has an additional level of interpretation, the Gemara Makis, Om Dasha the Jewish soldiers are successful in battle because of Sha'arayach Yerushalayim, because of the yeshivas in Yerushalayim where they're sitting and learning. So that's why the soldiers have Hatzloch. And the Gemara tells us that towards the end of the Vaisvishan period, so Chizkiyoh forced everybody to sit and learn, and they were checking from Don at Be'er Sheva, all of Eretz every little child knew all the laws of Tumah Vitar. Everybody was an expert in Tumah Vitar. Chizkiyah Melech forced them all to learn. So that's a question. What right do you have to force a person to learn? Strictly speaking, you have to learn. You learn a little bit, five minutes every night, five minutes every day. 
And you're Yoytze, you won't become a Tamachachm if you just learn five minutes every day, five minutes every night, but then you basically you'll be in fulfillment of the mitzvah, what right does he have to demand? Everybody has to sit and learn. So he says, no, that was for the purpose of security of the Medina, in case there'll be a Muhammad. So the way to win the Muhammad is to have everybody learning Torah, the way to prevent the Muhammad. If the Muhammad is always a punishment for not learning, we're supposed to be Yosek and Muhammad to Shal Torah. So if not Yosek, Muhammad to Shal Torah, HaKadosh Baruch will bring us into a Muhammad. If, if first the Rabbanu will make a Muhammad far away, in Vietnam, in Cambodia, wherever. If we don't get the hint, then he'll bring the Muhammad closer. We still didn't get the hint, then he'll get us involved in the Muhammad because they're not learning enough or they're not learning properly. So the Nitziv has this uh, wild suggestion that when they went to battle, they had a group of Hezdanikin sitting and learning on the front. So that's why the Torah has a din, that you, you have to be careful for Kedusha Smokam. You can't have Tzoyim Eraglam because they're learning there. They're learning. That's very strange. We don't have that. We, ha- we, d- we do have it. <laughs> we do have it a little bit. And this Mocham is unbelievable. They printed thousands of copies of Dafyami for all the soldiers who want to learn Dafyami. They printed 45,000 copies, I think, of the Mincha Sosher and Chomish Because the soldiers, when, when they're sitting around, they don't want to twiddle their thumbs. So those who are interested in learning will have pocket, pocket books, unbelievable pocket books. They can learn, then they print the thousands of Michal Soshim and Hilchas Chanukah and Yoni Chanukah. It's a different kind of uh, army now. An army is interested in learning Torah. But, uh, but usually you don't have the people learning on the front. So the Nitziv says that then you have to be careful for Kedusha Samachna is because the soldiers are going to be learning. That's in the schools of learning, they should win the war. So usually assumed not like that. Usually assumed as follows, the Mishnah at the end of the first parak in Erevin has There are four dinim midirabanon that apply in the Jewish army base. And there are dinim in the Chumash about Kedusha Samachna. So the Rabbeinu Hananel on the side of the page, printed in the middle of the at the end of the first parak in Erevin, quotes, the Rishalmi has three opinions in the Amoraim. How many soldiers do you have to have? Just have three soldiers going to Lebanon one night to, to do some uh, work there. So uh, that doesn't have a din of Machna Yisrael. So how many soldiers do you have to have and how close do they have to be to each other that it has a din of Machna? So Yushalmi has three different opinions. And one opinion is you have to have 12,000 soldiers in an, in an army base that it should be considered Machna based on the Pasuk. Elef Lamata, Elef Lamata, Shnei Maser, Elef Chalut Tzavo, in the Mochem Smidion, 12,000 soldiers. The other second opinion of Yushalmi is no. Elef Lamata, a thousand soldiers for every shevet, and, and if you have a thousand soldiers, that's called a machna. We seem to pass in the halacha, ten. The third opinion of Yishami, that said the Magad Mishnah says, why ten? A minion. The Gemara says, kol be'asara shechinta shari. When you have ten people, the shechina will be there. You say, adov shebi kedusha, kadosh kedusha baruchu, you have to have a minion. Yeah, that's because he's saying kadosh kedusha baruchu. Rabbi Salvechik would always say jokingly, if you have ten Jews reading the Morgan Shanal, ten Jews reading the, the Yiddish newspaper, the Shekhinah is going to be there. Why is the Shekhinah going to be there? It does mean, whenever you have ten Jews. If the ten Jews are saying, so why is over here? Why do we assume, So the answer is, the Rabbani Shalom promises, if you have ten Jewish soldiers who are right to be mitzvah to a minion, if you have soldiers who don't believe, they're not maminim, 
Apikusim, they don't observe anything, then you can't be mitzarev them to a minion. If you have ten normal religious soldiers who are mitzarev to a minion, that itself is a dovish The fact that you're fighting Mechemes Hashem, you're fighting to protect the Jewish country, protect the Jewish people, or Mechemes HaMolech, whatever it happens to be. So that has a status of a dovish because the Shekhinah promises is going to be there. So that's why you have the dinam of Kedusha Samachana. Many years ago, many of us still remember what happened when all of the, the whole world is different now because of the fact that the, uh, some of the Arab terrorists hijacked a few airplanes years ago. So that's why I remember when we used to go to Eretz Yisrael. We often would go on Matzai Shabbos and we would come there five minutes before the plane was about to leave. They would say, quickly, quickly, go in, run to the, t- run to the plane. They didn't check your bags, they didn't, they didn't check you, they, they didn't check your ticket. You can go onto a plane that had someone else's name on the ticket, it didn't even have my name. I would sometimes speak out of town. And the one who was uh, sponsoring the, the Shabbaton wanted to have the frequent flyer mileage. So he would say, say, say your name is uh, Steinberg, and uh, go on the plane. That used to be normal like that, everybody did like that. The whole world became crazy now because the Arabs were hijacking planes. So they check everybody, takes it. you can't, you can't get into a plane these days. Normally. So the story was, Rabbi Hutton was visiting in Eretz Yisrael one summer with a group of Talmidim. And then on the way back, there were several airplanes that were hijacked by a group of Arabs and they, and they took them into Jordan, I think. So some of Rabbi Hutton's Talmidim were very wealthy uh, businessmen. So they approached the State Department that they prepared to give a fortune of money. The State Department should please negotiate with the terrorists and they're prepared to give a fortune of money to redeem Rabbi Yehudna from, uh, from his uh, imprisonment there. So the State Department's position was, they told him a week later, we never negotiate with terrorists because they ain't let You can never negotiate with terrorists. But before they heard the answer from the State Department, so they asked the Rabbanim, what's the din, is it permissible? So that day there was a meeting of the Agudas, one day there was a meeting of the Agudas I remember one of the Rebbe's in Yeshiva got married that day, Rabbi Heshi Reitman, got married that day, and a few Rabbanim came late to the wedding because they were at the meeting of the Agudas Rabbanim. So they told us what happened at the meeting. So Rabbi, Rabbi Yankel Kamenetsky said, even though there was no war then, there was no war going on, he said they started, the Arabs started the war in 1948, and I think at that time the only country that uh, made a peace agreement with uh, Eretz Yisrael was uh, Egypt. And uh, all the others were officially still at war because they never made a peace agreement. And uh, they weren't shooting missiles, they weren't using tanks, they weren't using rifles, but were try- they were trying to destroy the whole tourist uh, industry. They were trying to ruin the fact that people would come to visit Eretz Yisrael in the summertime, a lot of people in the wintertime also. So he considered this a hemshech of the Muhammad Shechror. He said in the middle of a war, you're not allowed to read, there's no mitzvah pidyon shvim, to get the, the prisoners, to get the hostages out from, uh, from captivity, because it's going to be detrimental to the war effort. So that was the psak hamakubal from, uh, I think the Ashkenazi Rabbanim in Eretzel had that psak for many years. Now that they're... Uh, negotiating to, to swap uh, prisoners. I think this is all based on Chacham uh, Avadya gave a psak years ago, and the chief rabbi who's his son follows his psak, so the Swedish rabbi say like that. 
But many of the Ashkenazi Rabbanim follow what Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said. That they feel that there's no, if it's going to be detrimental to the war efforts, there's no mitzvah, pidyon, shvuim. There is a din that you're not allowed to cause civilian casualties unnecessarily. That's Noshim Vitaf. Noshim Vitaf never drafted into the army. The Jews never drafted Noshim Vitaf, and the Goyim had the practice. They didn't draft young people, and didn't draft women in the army either. However, if it's necessary for the war effort, so you have no choice. So whenever you go to war, if it's a Mohammed's mitzvah, so the fact that there's a mitzvah to go to war, that gives you the heter to put your soldiers into danger and to kill the enemy also. There's an isa to kill a nochri also. So you need a heter. So whenever you have a Mohammed's mitzvah, that's, that itself is mata the isa, and is mata the isa of putting your soldiers in sakona. If you have a Mohammed or Rishus, you have to have authorization from the Beznagodal. So the permission, the authorization from the Beznagodal gives you this Heteritzicha. <coughs> so the Heteritzicha, unfortunately, we're not happy about it. The Heteritzicha uh, makes it that it's permissible not only to kill the soldiers, even to the extent that it's necessary to protect your own soldiers, it's permissible to kill the civilians as well. You have no choice. That's the Din Melchama. The Pesach tells us in Parshas Vayishlach that when um, Yaakov Avinu was coming back to Eretz Yisrael and he heard that his brother Esav is approaching him with 400 men, so 400 soldiers, he was afraid he was going to kill him. So the Pesach says, He was very afraid. He was very aggravated. So Rashi quotes from the Medrash, most of the Rashi is on Chumash. My Rashi has... Uh, uh, something, an idea of substance. It's always from a medrash, from a mishnah, from a gemara. Whenever Rashi talks about diktuk, that's not from the gemara. That's from the medaktikim. But whenever he talks something with substance, that he didn't make it up. He just quoted him in Rosh. So the Pusik, so the, on that Pusik, Rashi quotes from medrash, he was afraid maybe uh, he will get killed. He was nervous, he was uh, aggravated, maybe he'll have to kill other people. So the commentaries all ask on that medrash that Rashi quotes, why should he be nervous, about, why should he be uncomfortable about killing other people? If they're coming to kill you, so there's a din, you're supposed to kill the roidif. So that's what the Mephoshim explained, the Marami Prague has in his commentary on that, on that Rashi, and in Sefer Gorarye, so he says that every war in the world, there are always civilian casualties. That's what Yagravina was upset about. He wasn't upset that he's going to have to kill those soldiers who are right after him, who want to kill him. And every war, unfortunately, we're not happy about it. You have to kill civilians. So that's what he was not happy about. But you have no choice. That's the only way to fight a war. The Torah tells us, We have the blow what is that all about? That's Labdafke, uh, the din is, it doesn't only apply when you have Muhammad, the Arzachem and Muhammad, and Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is considered, before we finish this uh, sentence, Eretz Yisrael is considered the, the Mitzaref of Klal Yisrael. All of us who live in Chutzla Eretz, we're Jewish, we have a Kedushas Yisrael, and Kedusha shows what obligates us to observe mitzvahs. That's when we recite a bracha. We say, Asher Kedushan, the mitzvah is saw, it's Ivanu. Kedush Bracha sanctified us. He gave us Kedusha Yisrael. And that's what's Mechaiba. That's what obligates us to fulfill mitzvahs. But there's another concept that only applies to those who live in Eretz Yisrael. Those who live in Eretz Yisrael are Klal Yisrael. The Tzirif of the Tzibur 
only applied to those who live in Eretz. So those who live in Chutzlart, and Mar says, are considered like Yechidim. The Ramam has quite a few dinah based on that. He quotes Gemaras like that. Only the Jews who live in Eretz Yisrael are considered Klal So Ben-Gurion used to say uh, that the Jews who live in Chutzlart are not Jewish. Yeah, you understand why? He didn't believe in Kedush Yisrael. He writes in his autobiography that he's an atheist. Probably not true. Probably was not an atheist. He was always quoting Tanakh in, uh, in the Knesset. He's probably not an atheist, but whatever. So he only believed in the Jewish nation. So the Jew- he's right. The Jewish nation only applies in Eretz Yisrael. Those who live in Chutzlart are not part of the Jewish nation. That's why there's a mitzvah. We should all pick up and uh, move to Eretz Yisrael. We should all be part of Kalal Yisrael. So the Torah tells us, means that the Klal Yisrael is B'Sakona. All those who live in Chutz Lorz are not Klal Yisrael. If there's a Mulcham in Eretz, it means Klal Yisrael is B'Sakona. The Raman writes, even if you only have 10 Jews in Eretz Yisrael, the millions of Jews in Chutz Lorz, the millions of Jews are Yechidim, and the 10 Jews who live in Eretz Yisrael are Klal Yisrael. The Raman writes in one place in the Sefer Mitzvahs, if you can, um, the Rabban Shalom promised us that uh, Klal Yisrael will never disappear. Klal Yisrael will always exist. So the Ramam says, if there will be a Holocaust, and there will be no Jews living in Eretz Yisrael at all, millions of Jews living in Chutzlart, and no Jews living in Eretz Yisrael, then it means HaKadosh Bocha violated his promise. He promised that Klal Yisrael will never disappear. Klal Yisrael means you have to have 10 Jews living in Eretz Yisrael. Baruch Hashem, they have more than 10 Jews living in Eretz Yisrael. So the Torah says, <laughs> If Klal Yisrael is B'Sakon of Hari Yosem HaChatzotzis, have to blow Chatzotzis. How come nobody's blowing Chatzotzis now? So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva about that. And then he quotes, all the Mishnayim talk about that. The Mishnayim in, in Tainas, Masechus Tainas, talk about blowing Chatzotzis. So he says, we follow the Magin Mishnah in his commentary on the side of the Rambam, that that mitzvah only applies to Chatzotzis from the Beis Amigdosh. We don't have any Beis Amigs, we don't have Chatzotzis of the Beis Amigs, so we don't blow Chatzotzis. There are those who say you're supposed to blow Shoifer. You don't blow the Chatzotzis of the Beis Amigs. Rabbi Gorin is famous. He was blowing Shoifer when he was, uh, when he was in Muhammad. He was following that din. So the Torah says, What is that all about blowing, blowing Chatzotzis? That enhances the Tefillah. We blow Shoifer on Rosh Hashanah in the middle of Musaf, in the middle of Hazor Sashat. We shake a lulav in the middle of Halal. If you're going to shake a lulav in the middle of the Bishmana Esrei, that'll be a hepsik. And if you're going to blow shoifah in the middle of halal, that'll be a hepsik. When you do a mitzvah in the middle of another mitzvah, that's a hepsik. But the shoifah blends in with the davening, elevates the davening to a higher level. The Gemara says that the Beis Hamikdash is the Mokma Tfiliki. We invite all the people of the world to come pray to the Jewish God, not to pray to Avodah to come to the Beis Hamikdash to pray. So the Gemara says, The gates of Tefillah are closed, because the Beis Hamikdash is, is not there anymore. And the Pasuk says, Hashem doesn't listen to the prayers anymore, because the Beis Hamikdash is not there. Unless you have Tefillah Yeshim or Demois, if it's such a serious issue that the person is, is uh, brought to tears when he's davening, some people just know how to turn on the force if they start crying in the middle or whatever. It's not meaningful. You have to know what are you crying about. Yiddish folklore, they say this story about the fellow who was saying Karbonus. He was crying. So he said, what are you crying about? You're saying Karbonus. He said, no, Nebuch, the Paramount is rough. He thought they burnt them alive. The Paramount is rough. And they shechted them. And they burnt it after it was dead already. They didn't burn them alive. 
So that's so for the Gemara. So if a person is davening with such sincerity and such a serious issue that he brought the tears, that's a higher level of of tefillah. And shari afal pisha shari tefillah ninalu shari demoisla ninalu. If it's a tefillah with crying, then it's a higher level of tefillah. So the Gemara says yom truah yelachem on Rosh Hashanah. The sound of the truah is translated. The Gemara quotes the Targumunkel. It's on the pasuk yom yabava, a day of crying. The tkiya shayfer, the tkiya is a straight tone, pshuta, straight. But the trua is supposed to sound like crying, and there are three different kinds of crying, so we do all the three possibilities, trua and shvarim and shvarim trua. So the same thing when you blow chatzot, it's supposed to be a more serious, a more serious level of tefillah. You have to have what the Rama calls za'oka. Tefillah is all yelong yedavim. We're basically healthy, basically people making a parnasa, the children are getting married, everything is, uh, is not bad, everything is okay. There's no great uh, shasa sakana. So then you have to daven, the Ramam says there's an obligation to daven once a day, every day, and we daven the Rabbana three times a day, four times a day, five times a day, Yom Kippur, we daven Musav, you say Nila, five times a day. But when they have an ace tzor, tzor is hatzibu, then there's a chiyav, the Raman writes, Lizuk Olohariya Zaka means a higher level of tefillah. You have to have special tefillahs. In the days of the Tanoim, if it wouldn't rain in Eretz Yisrael, that would be when there would be Atsiras Gisham, there's no rain. That was considered a sakana. There's no rain, nothing, no vegetation is going to grow. The people can die, the animals can die. It's a big shasa sakana. Today, it's no longer uh, about uh, 15 years ago, I think, 10, 15 years ago. So the Rabbanut has a lot of younger rabbis now. So they were considering being goisatinus. Every year there's a problem and it says not enough rain. So they were considering being goisatinus, like it says in the Mishnah. So the older Rabbanim were making fun of them. So what are you talking about? In the days of the Tanaim, if it doesn't rain, it's a sakana. Today we know how to desalinate the water. We have tons of water. Just, it'll cost us a lot of money, but there's no shasa sakana. So you're not goisatinus anymore. But whenever there's a sakana to the Kalal Yisrael, Kalal means the Jews who live in Eretz that is the Kalal Yisrael. Special mitzvah, Lizak Elohariya, Yibloch HaTzaitzvah Shobes HaMikdosh, and Lizak means to have special tefillahs. So what special tefillahs do you say when you have a Tainas Tzibur? They used to fast Monday and Thursday a few weeks in a row, when there's no rain or when there's a tzara. So uh, Rabbi Akiva composed the tefillah of Inim al Special for the tiny but you have to have slichas, you have to have special things. The Chassam Seifer kept a diary. It's printed, I remember when I was a little boy, in my father's shul, they had, uh, whoever printed a Seifer would send a copy to all the shuls. Remember my father's shul, they had this diary of the Chassam Seifer. So I used to read it in between one Ali and the other. So they have fascinating things there. He writes a little bit history, and he writes a bar mitzvah pilpah that he wrote for a nephew of his, and a dvater that he said by Yishem Brachas, all in his diary. So he writes, he lived there, he was a Yeke, some Seifer was from Frankfurt, he was a Yeke, he always signed all of his Jewish, Moshe Akotten in Frankfurt. He was a Yeke, but he had a Rabbonus in Hungary. So, um, so he lived in Presburg, and uh, he writes that there was some Austro-Prussian war going on in his time, and uh, he says they had to leave Presburg because it was a Sakana, and he instituted that they say, Avina Malkena every day, and they say the long Vuhurachim every day. We always try to get out of saying Vuhurachum even on Monday or Thursday. But when there's a Muhammad, so the Chassam Sahib says, you have to say special trinas, you have to say special zo'oka. Zo'oka means something, something more serious than the regular davening. Usually, 
we say Avina Malkeinu on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, even though we don't say Tachnun on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it is not a contradiction. We can say Avina Malkeinu. On Shabbos, we're more makbid about uh, it says Yishaya Novi says that we should have Kibbut V'yoyneik and we should have Dabadov V'shelei Hei Dibuch HaShal Shabbos Ki Dibuch HaShal Chol. So it means, number one, you shouldn't talk about business on Shabbos. A lot of people have the practice, they'll, they'll talk about business in Ishtam Shabbos Giret and they make up how much they're selling the cart in Ishtam Shabbos Giret. And the other guy argues how he wants to pay less than Ishtam Shabbos Giret and they think that makes a hetta. <coughs> that makes a hetta when you're saying a tefillah for a chayla. Shabbos Yom Yilizrik. If the chayla is, is sick, so if he's really sick, you don't even have to say Shabbos Yom he's, he's a little bit sick. He's not really even Sakhans the Fashit. Then say Shabbos Yom But uh, it's not right. They're not allowed to talk business. Tyson says, Dabadov Shalahed de Bucha Shalsham. Not allowed to talk Sikha Betelo. Not allowed to talk Dvarm Betelo on Shabbos. The Gemara has an expression, Bekoshi Hiti Rishayla Shalom Shabbos. The Chachamim said, Bekoshi, if you see someone in Shul, see someone you haven't seen for a while, Allah says, Shalom Aleichem, good Shabbos, how are you? That's all Sikha Betelo. So Bekoshi Hitiru, they allowed us to do that on Shabbos. So when it says in Shulchan Aruch, the meaning is, when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos, or Rosh Hashanah falls on a Shabbos, then you don't say Avina Malkeinu. Because Daba Dover is more serious on Shabbos than it is on Yontav. On Yontav also we leave out all the Trinas in the middle of the Shemona Esrei. But on Shabbos we're more makbid. Many shuls when they call him Duchen on Yontav, so if it's Yontav on Shabbos, they don't say the Tefillah for the Chaloimus. If, if Yontav falls on a Shabbos, they don't say the Trina. If it falls on a weekday, they do say the Trinas. So we're more makbid on Daba Dover not to say Trinas on Shabbos than we are on Yontem. So the Shulchan Aruch says the meaning is when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos, you don't say, Vashar Yom Kippur, well, you don't say Avinu Malkeinu, except for Ne'ila. At Ne'ila, you do say Avinu Malkeinu. That's the meaning. Why? So the commentaries explain, because Ne'ila is the Shask Mar Hadin. That's when the, the Bezun Shaman is going to decide what's going to be for the next year for the whole Medina, for each individual person. So that's the Shas HaSakona. So in the Yeshiva, we say Avinu Malkeinu, even on Shabbos. All day long, we say, there's a sakana all day long. They're killing, unfortunately, they keep on killing, killing soldiers and they're wounding soldiers. is something terrible. So we say, Avina Malkeinu, even on Shabbos, because the bayas all day long is like Shas Ne'ilah. The Chassam Seifer, in his diary, that diary writes, that there was a, a suggestion was made, maybe we should be goizatainus, that the war should end. Reasonable request. So he says he doesn't think that's permissible because the Gemara makes a statement, Mohammed's araschalta de geula. Mohammed's will lead to the geula. And if you're going to have, got to pray to the Banshalm, you should stop the war, then you're slowing down the geula process. You're not permitted to. And he assumed that Muhammad's Arashalta Dgula applies to all wars in the world. It had nothing to do with Eritrea, nothing to do with the Jewish people. Austria Prussian War, I think, had nothing to do with the Jews. The Minkatje, the one who wrote the Minchasaluza, so he uh, he writes he didn't live so long to see the Second World War, but during the First World War, so there was such a suggestion we should be Goisatinus and um, and we should pray that the war should end. So he quotes this diary of the Hassam Seifer. 
And he says, the first Bobo, he assumes it's an Aschalta de Gula, and you're not allowed to, he has two reasons why it doesn't make sense to be Gozatainus. He says, one is you only Gozatainus if, uh, if there's a possibility, if there's a reasonable possibility, that the Tzibu will do Tshuva. So by him, the biggest, uh, the Minkacha, the biggest out there in the world was Zionism. That was his obsession. So he says, who's going to do tshuva? The chilonim, no chance. They're not, the secular, they're not going to do tshuva. The Mizrahi, they're worse than the chilonim, because they made a mitzvah. It's the biggest out there in the world, they made a mitzvah out of it. The Aguda, they're worse than the Mizrahi, because they claim that they're anti-Medina, and they're not, they're supporting the Medina. We don't have to do tshuva, we never did anything wrong. So very strange. All of his tshuvas are very decent. Except when he writes about Eretz Yisrael, Zainans, he just goes out of his cave. I remember I was friendly with an Ungarish, uh, he was much older than me. He, he was brought up in uh, Minkach. I remember when he passed away, I delivered a husband in the Munkach Eshtibel, when this uh, Balabas passed away. So he said, when he remembers, he was in his 90s when he died. He, said, he used to talk to me in his 80s and his 90s. He said, when he would re remember the drushes that the Munkacher would hold in shul, he would be cursing everybody in shul, all the Zionists. He says he would be shaking in his 80s, he'd still be shaking from pachat, from, from the cursing that the Munkacher did. So the, so the Pashtis is like Rashi on that Gemara talks about this, what Mohammed Saraschalta de Gula. So Rashi says, the Mohammed over Eretz Yisrael, if there's a war and the Jewish people win the war, that's Aschalta de Gula. Gula means Binya Beis Hamikdash. So the Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchas Malachim, quotes a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara says there are three mitzvahs that you have to fulfill in a specific order. The first mitzvah is to establish the Jewish government controlling all of Eretz Yisrael. The second mitzvah is to wipe out Amalek. And the third mitzvah is if they wipe out Amalek and it will be fully peaceful in Eretz Yisrael, then you live, then you build the Livnas Beis Abchira. So the establishment of the Medina when, you, when the Jewish people win the war, they make a Medina, and they preserve the Medina. The enemy wants to take away the Medina, we preserve the Medina. That's called Aschalta de Gula, because the Gula, you have to figure out what does Gula mean. Whatever Gula means, you'll figure out what's Aschalta de Gula. Rab Cook, the first chief rabbi, in recent, the first Ashkenazi chief rabbi, used to talk about Aschalta de Gula. So many Hungarian rabbis at that time used to complain, what did they make up a new term, a new concept about Aschalta de Gula? Either you have Gula, you don't have Gula. He didn't make up. The Gemara talks about the Gemara says So the Pashib Shat is that Muhammad regarding Eretz Yisrael, if the Jewish people win the war, that's an Aschalta de Gula. We have in this week's Sedra in the last few Sedras we read about Yosef with the brothers. A terrible thing. The brothers sold Yosef, Mechiras Yosef was terrible. The Klalisor doesn't get along. They, they're not unified. And when the brothers come, when Yankov Avinu heard that Yosef is still alive, so there was a Shaila, should we all move to Mitzrayim to have Achdos of Klalisor? Or Yosef has to, he's stuck there in Mitzrayim, he's running the whole country. But we should all stay in Eretz Yisrael. They had a Hashuas Hashchina in Eretz Yisrael. When they called man that they were in Mitzrayim, there was no Hashuas Hashchina. That's what the uh, Ramban writes in his Hakdamit to Chumish Mos. 
He says, Chumash Bereshis is the safe about all the beginnings, the beginning of the whole world, beginning of mankind, the beginning of the Jewish people. And you get to the end of Bereshis, you have Aram Yitzchak Yaikif in the Shvatim. So that's the beginning of the Jewish people. Then he says, Sefer Shmos is all about the first Golos and the Gula they're from. So then he says, how can I say the Gula they're from? The Gula is when they came back to Eretz on the days of Yeshua ben Nun. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't live so long. So that's not till Sefer Yeshua. When you get to the end of Shmos, you still don't have Gula. So the Ramban says he doesn't think that's correct. He says the main tragedy of the fact that the Jewish people went into Mitzrayim was not so much that they weren't in Eretz Yisrael. That's a semi-tragedy. The main tragedy is that they didn't have he paraphrases the Pesachini, when they lived, the others lived in Eretz Yisrael, they had a Hashuas Hashchina. When they went into Mitzrayim, there was no Hashuas Hashchina. When you get to the end of Chumash Mos, you have Truma Tetzavah by Yaakov Pikudi, four sedras of Bad Binyan Mishkan. so they had a Hashuas Hashchina. That was the Geula. They were still living in Chutzlot, but they had already Geula. In 1948, when they established the Medina, so in the biography of the Chazanish, they quote, they lived in Eretz Yisrael way before the Second World War. So when they established the Medina in 1948, so they quote from the Chazanish, they said, this is the end of the Golos, but we don't yet have the Geula. This is the end of the Golos, because the Jews are in control of Eretz Yisrael. Uh, whoever wants can come to Eretz Yisrael, the end of the Golos. But it's not. So people thought that it was double talk. The end of the Golos, uh, why is that? And he said, no. Geula means, we have Eretz Yisrael, but you don't have the Hashuas Hashchina. So, I remember Rab Soloveitchik, every year would give comments on the, on the Haggadah before Pesach. So he would, he would explain, when Yankov Avina heard that Yosef is in Mitzrayim, so he had a dilemma. Should the whole family, Yosef can't leave Mitzrayim, he's running a country over there. Should we all move to Chutz Laaretz in order to have Achdus of all of the Shvatim, Achdus of Kal Yisrael? Or should we remain in Eretz Yisrael? We all, we all belong in Eretz Yisrael to continue to have Ashuas HaShchina. So the Shechina came to him and he told him, you should go down to Mitzrayim. Achdos of Kalal Yisrael is more important than everything. So that's, uh, that's also an important point now. In fact, when they, uh, the f- first days of this Melchama, when they uh, captured some of the uh, Palestinian terrorists and they asked them how long they were planning this attack, so they said, two years already. And they said, what motivated them to attack now? They saw that the Jewish people are fighting amongst themselves. They couldn't, they couldn't have an election. They had to have so many different elections. And, and then after they elected Netanyahu, they're still fighting, they're blocking the highways and everything, crazy thing. So when the Jewish people are not united, so the Goyim said that we're weak. So we have, to, we have to reunite. We have to get together, and that will help in the war effort. We stand a better chance of winning the, winning the war if we'll all be united together. The Gemara tells us, and the Ramam quotes this in Hilchas Tshuva, the Gulu Hasidim will only take place if the Jewish people will do Tshuva. And nonetheless, the Ramam quotes from the Chumash, the Torah promises us, the end of days, the Jewish people will do Tshuva. So the so Rab Salvechik used to talk about this every year in Aseris Mei Tshuva. How can the Torah promise that the Jewish people will do Tshuva? Everybody has Bechir Chavshis. You can all decide we don't want to do Tshuva. So the so Rab Salvechik used to explain. He used to explain that uh, every Jew has has and when he's born he has when the Nachum are born we say they have Tabula Raza. They don't have any innate, they don't have any ideas built into their mind. 
in advance. When they grow up and they're educated and they pick up from their parents, from their friends, from the school, whatever, then they develop ideas. So that's by the Yom HaSoyalim, they call that tabula rasa. And it's correct. But by B'nai Yisrael, it's not tabula rasa. We are born with an Abraham Suteris. Every Jewish person, that's the Tanya has like that. Every Jewish person has an innate love for HaKodesh Baruch So it's abnormal for a Jewish person to do an Avera. So let's say a person stands on his head. How long can he stand on his head? He's going to collapse after a while. So the Torah promises us that in the end of days, the Jewish people will have to do tshuva because that's the normal thing for Jewish people is to do Ratzon Hashem. That's what Absalom used to explain. So the Gemara has on the same issue. We raised the question, how can it be? How can the Torah promise that in the end of days, if the gula will only come if he do tshuva, how can the Torah promise there's going to be tshuva? There's b'chiruch hafshiz. So the Gemara says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be maman alei melech rosha kehaman. He'll see to it that there'll be a goy, he'll be like Haman, who wants to kill men, women, and children of the Jewish people. And then when the Jewish people suffer, the Gemara calls that hasoras hatabas. Because in, in Megillus Esther, we read that Haman wanted to wipe out all the Jewish people. So he wrote, he wrote a decree, and the king gave him, Achashverosh took off his signet ring, and gave it to Haman, put my, put my uh, signature on whatever you want. You want to wipe out the Jews, do whatever you want. Gemara calls that Hasaras HaTabas. So Gemara says, Hasaras HaTabas by the Jewish people works. By the other nations, probably wouldn't work. If they would be suffered, they would probably give up their whole religion. But by the Jewish people, we know why we're being punished. We know, we know that we're doing something wrong. Many, many secular Jews in America, many, many secular Jews in Eretz Israel are committing themselves to observe Taras HaMishpacha, believe in Taras HaMishpacha, the, more, the, the most difficult thing. Shabbos, Kashvis, Taras HaMishpacha. Whenever there's Hasaras HaTabas, the Jewish people know that they have to be Chayzeh So that's what the Rebbe Shalom is, is doing to us. He brought the Melech Rosh Kahaman, who had this attitude, he wants to wipe out all the Jewish people, and uh, there's a big Hasaras B'Tshuva, so if the Jewish people will all do Tshuva, then uh, the Rabbanu Shalom will bring the Gula, we hope this will be the last Muhammad of all Muhammads, and we should be zeichet to see uh, Binyabes HaMikdash and Hashras Hashchina during our lifetime very soon.